we have very special guest here, Matt Heafy of Trivium Ibaraki, and uh, I'm excited to talk with 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 Matt. I mean, we've had you've been on the show before. Yeah, you've been on the show. It was oh, like, yeah. it was last year, right? I think. It was yeah, yeah. I remember um, early on um, talking to you, and you're like, "Hey, what's what's the deal with this Twitch thing?" I'm like, that's a lot of fun. It's very very fun. You should absolutely do it. So I'm so happy to see it's going so well for you because it's you smash it, man. You love I, I love watching your channel. Love everything you're doing. Congrats. Damn, man, coming from you, that means a lot. Thank you, Matt. I I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Um, I mean, it's so funny. Everyone I have on this show, everyone that streams they say well i started streaming because of that it oh, is man, it's that's so awesome <laughs> every single person i've had not, not there wasn't one where it's like oh, well actually i saw this big streamer doing no it was always matt the big streamer doing it. man that's that's so amazing thank you so much thank you for conveying that message yeah it's always always really cool when people think maybe i nudged a cool thing or a cool inspirational idea like hey tech check this thing out um i was able to talk to one of my musician friends that said like during quarantine they got super depressed and thought mm. it was kind of done for them for music and then i really i pushed them to start a channel right you're like man i can't believe it this this financially saved me and now i've been able to like now i'm really happy and it's just it's so amazing like i feel like that's kind of the bigger scale but even at the smallest scale being able to connect people like people from my channel who are best friends through this channel right or people who've gotten relationships or gotten married through this channel things like that things that you see through the band typically but then there's this other microcosm if trivium is a microcosm there's a micro microcosm of the twitch trivium land it's nice to see all that nice stuff i love it yeah it's, it. it's funny it's funny you see the fi financial part too because that's always i feel like that is a big shock to a lot of the real musicians like coming over because you know they're 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 in decent sized bands are used to doing their thing and they're used to releasing a record and then you know nothing against labels or any of that but then the label taking a good chunk of that you know there's expenses there's touring expenses management takes some money and then there's five other people that also you know yep. take a bit here and there and they're like oh yeah and then they come on twitch and they're like wait like the num that number is that's the number like it, it just goes there <laughs> i do always tell people though because like one of the earlier uh you know when bands started jumping over to the platform i would have a couple people ask me like hey what do you make more money from this or something else i was like well you can kind of get into it like if you want to do it for a financial thing but i almost look at the finance the financial plus as a side effect of the channel doing well and yes. for a channel to do well you have to do organically what is you as the host exactly what you do like you already do that i do that and for people that have asked me for like i've talked to a couple youtubers that were asking me like hey i don't really game what do i do on twitch I was like well if you've seen my channel i don't really game that much all the time either right and one of my ideas for like a concert creator not that we're asking about that or not that you're asking about that but i remember telling them well you should do the whole behind the scenes process of what it takes for you to make your videos live on stream people can watch that process you and your crew or just yes. you sitting and spitballing ideas and then you have the final product come out on youtube and you get to have the whole thing kind of like multitask and that's mm -hmm. that's really what i pushed a lot so a lot of the projects i've been able to work on not Ibaraki though, but a lot of the MKH solo stuff I will do on stream. Right. Um, all that BTS stuff, and then when it comes out, it's either out on the DSPs or it's out on YouTube or something like that. Well, yeah, even even that mindset is it's. I think it's so ahead of the game because I mean, you see the big streamers what they do. They don't make YouTube videos. They just stream and then they make clips and then they yep. put it on YouTube. Yep. And then the YouTube and the TikTok and whatever else Instagram is what creates the discovery for everyone to go and oh, I want to watch this live. Almost like a very weird parallel, which I'm about to just go for it right now. You know, bands releasing music and it getting out there versus seeing them live. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's important to hit it from every angle. And you're doing it. I'm doing it. I think like the people, other musicians that are doing it in this way of maximizing their time and maximizing their output. So it's not 
just streaming. It's not just a product, but you can have all these things trickle out to everything. Yeah. And then you can have that maximum reach because there's so much content. There's so many creators, so many bands, so many streamers, so many things that another question I got early on um, was, well, isn't you, doesn't having, doesn't having, <laughs> I can't even think of the question I'm starting to ask. Um, isn't having Trivium on stream for free every single day, won't that detract from people buying tickets? I was like, well, it's actually the exact opposite. Right. I would rather have someone watching the stream going like, holy cow, that looks a lot of fun, but you know, and they know that they'll never be able to truly simulate the feeling of being in a show, yes. being around other human beings, feeling the noise, feeling the pulse, feeling the energy within the room. So I feel like the more times you can have your community, your band, your supporters with the eyeballs on you instead of something else, mm -hmm. the better. I, to keep it in the forefront. No, yeah, I think that's an incredible mindset. I, I also, to, to mirror with that, I feel like a lot of content creators and, and bands underestimate how wide the range of audiences when you go to a different, like through each platform. Like they kind of just assume like, oh, well, because I post similar content on Facebook or on my Instagram or here or here or here, that it's just all the same people following me on all those. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, exactly. It's so different. It's so different. Even like looking at the breakdowns, I'm sure you do it, like to mm. see which countries or what cities. Like Facebook, I think my highest is Jakarta, Indonesia for cities. And then my Instagram is Mexico City. Yeah. So it's like very different. And the other incredibly difficult thing that I'm sure you've been able to see for yourself is how hard it is to port an audience from one platform to another. That's something you and I have discussed before. Because yeah. I remember when I was sorry, I keep hashing nostalgic right now no, that's okay. <laughs> but i remember i rated um a music streamer i won't say which one look way back like three years ago four years ago when i first started and the streamer said to me while we were rating like oh i really appreciate it, but i want you to know that a lot of us aren't really happy that you're here on twitch because you already have all these fans so you're going to come in and take our audience and you own all so, these band people i'm just so like dumb. holy cow i just rated and like subbed and said all these nice things right it's the exact opposite all of us coming over here bringing portions of our audience over to this platform has only grown this oh yeah you're bringing your audience from youtube and everything you've built over here but it is so hard to bring them over it took me a couple of years it took you know, I don't want to say thankfully due to the world closing down, but when the world closed down, mm. people were finally like, you know what? I'm going to check out this thing Matt's been talking about for the last two and a half, three years. Yeah. And then they were able to check it out and then get hooked. Yeah, because it's literally everyone I've had. On the, they're just like, yeah, Matt's the reason, you know? Oh, yeah, I saw Matt doing it. I wanted to kind of join in on it. And of course, like you said, the pandemic kind of just accelerated that to all mm -hmm. just be like, all right, well, we have nothing else to do now. So we might as well yeah. do something in that capacity. Yeah, and keep, keep the... Keep the uh, keep the workflow coming of whatever it may be. If someone's work is creating content or someone's work is music, if they're doing it all the time as a side effect of doing it all the time, you will get better if you're doing it correctly. And that's what I've always loved about Twitch. Cause I feel like, you know, when I say things like I have gotten better at what I do for a living, thanks to Twitch, it's true because right. what I'm doing most of the time is the thing I should be doing. Mm. I should be rehearsing guitar and vocals and my craft. And I just happen to have a camera on and I'm able to be connected with awesome people. So it's a really fantastic thing. Um, and I do want to put it back out there that if any musicians are listening to this later on that ever have any questions, I'm always available and always want to help everyone I can. I've, I've been very lucky to be able to help some really awesome people. I remember, um, before Herman Lee had ever tried Twitch, he was in the channel. He's like, hey, can you tell me about this thing someday? And I was like, you know what? I DM'd him my number. He called me while I was on stream and I explained to him what Twitch was. <laughs> Even the Brandon Saller uh, did like a FaceTime with him one day. He's like, well, after explaining everything, I was like, I was like, just start, start tomorrow. Yeah. You actually started tomorrow. And now it's 
you know, growing from there, which is awesome. That is the hardest thing is starting. It, it's it's always yeah. the like, ah, oh, but then I need like the thirty thousand yep. dollars of computer equipment. Yep. Or like and the, those are the same people know. that are always like, hey, I'm gonna start jujitsu once I get in shape. Yeah. And then like three years later, have you started yet? No, no, I'm gonna get in shape first. Yeah, you just have to start. Just do it. Just start jujitsu. Just start streaming on Twitch. Just start. Yeah, and if you ever need motivation for that, go watch some of the top streamers and look at their camera equipment. And it's literally just like they're using like the 720 like uh, Logitech, you know like webcam which is great for what it does but it's you know you're in 720p in 2022 and they have them them in the corner right there watching stuff and they have a hundred thousand concurrent viewers and you're like yep you just gotta start you can't say i'm gonna build this thing i want to make this stream room happen then you're just never gonna start and you've already wasted the time so it's it's good you just gotta get into it any musicians that want to just start yeah start do you do you feel like with with twitch and it's gonna tie to music as well i guess in, in a fun way but like is content king like what you're doing on here content reigns supreme over stream hours even and things like that in terms of keeping Um, people engaged and keeping and growing your audience i guess that's a great question it if someone is jumping into streaming they need to be doing what they enjoy because your audience can tell Mm -hmm. if you're enjoying it or not yeah um i know one of the earlier thoughts with when rumblings of twitch for coming around musicians would be like well i'll just stream games and i'll get big like ninja the thing is is you're not going to be as good as ninja ever if you're a musician because you did music instead you should be showing what you're good at showing the people what you're good at so i've been streaming on twitch i guess five six years i have the 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 first date man that's a while like congratulations for that thank you let me actually let's find out exactly what it is But uh, when I first started, I was like, I'm just going to play some games that I like. And then I started getting heavily into other people's channels. Big fan of Ninja, Lupo, Dakota's Shroud. Right. And then I started going like, all right. So if if you look at the biggest of all time that people know from pop culture, Ninja, when he blew up, it was eight to 10 to 12 hours a day of Fortnite. And so musicians think I need to do that to get big and to make this happen to us. That's not it at all. Right. What he was doing is he was displaying what he was best at to his world, to his yeah. supporters. So it's like, I am the best Matt Hafey for all the Matt Hafey things in the world. And what are the Matt Hafey things? Trivium, Ibaraki, Matthew K. Hafey, things that I enjoy. Just stream that, like showing the things that you love and connecting through that versus me trying to struggle to jump into the, like Roblox or something that I've, that I've never played or not be into and try to force myself in an audience. But instead, if you have an audience already, bring your audience with you and show them all the behind the scenes stuff they don't normally get to see, like me warming up in the bathroom the other day at the arena, like those right. kinds of things, like seeing the stipulations of, of every single day. And I think when people can find out what their version of that is, mm. that's really the key. Um, okay. So the first, oh yes, uh, I started Twitch 32717. Oh my, my god. My first paid Twitch day, I don't know what that means. Maybe the first time I made like a buck even. Yeah, right. Um, would have been 5717. And I restructured my Twitch 11718. I keep all these dates for I don't know why. This, I was but, gonna, I mean later I was be like, how do you do all this? And I'm like, okay, yep. <laughs> like this, you just <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Oh my god. So 11718 is basically when I incorporated the five days a week when I'm off tour, seven days a week when I'm on tour. And that's when I started that. So I've been doing this rigorous five to seven days a week since one seventeen eighteen. So even wow. when we do albums, even when we did the last two trivia records, I was still streaming in the morning. I would kind of cut off the afternoon one. I would just say, oh, I've got family stuff or something to secretly record trivia records. So I'd warm up for the record at home on my stream, go do the record and maybe make it home for a couple games. But I've got all the dates on here. I've got that's crazy, um, man. That's, that's first trivium show, 225, 2000. Uh, first jiu-jitsu day 31313 
Um, then the Twitch stuff, yeah. And then Twitch, so. dude, that is absolutely crazy. Like that, Thanks, you man. were you were so ahead of, I guess that, yeah, a trend in some capacity. But just going to where you think you want, you know, fit your fit yourself, fit your audience, and all that, and a good place for for content. And I, again, I love seeing that stuff. I love seeing even how you've converted it with YouTube and kind of turned it into like eclipse channel in that sense but you still make content there and have incorporated even like some of the more you know mainstream s things like reacting and stuff but it's uniquely you because you're reacting to trivium stuff you're reacting to people that you know cover you cover your guys tracks or, or react to your guys stuff and it's so cool because it can play off a little bit of what you know the types of content people are enjoying but it's fully uniquely you and people have to go to you to get that exact type of content which is something that is irreplaceable and i feel like a lot of people have this mindset when you on twitch to tie what you were saying earlier is like that zero-sum game of like oh well this person's here now so they take my audience and now that audience is no longer mine instead of adding to this bigger pool of audience which i feel like a lot of people like sure like if i was streaming and someone who does exactly what i was doing started streaming right now i would lose some viewers just that's what happens Unless I had something that was uniquely keeping my audience here because people want to watch what I'm doing because it's me, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just, oh, here's another dude reacting or doing something to the new thing that just came out. Here's a dude playing new uh, Fortnite, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, I'm just going to go watch, you know, the, the other dude that's playing Fortnite that just started streaming that I already know what he does and all that because it's just, it's just, you know, they, they want to go with what they're more comfortable with. And Twitch especially, you know, you got to have, you got to have content. You got to have the thing that makes you uniquely you or else you're just going to be sitting there the whole time going like, oh, yeah, why aren't people coming? And then you yeah. just, you know, I've, I've heard that yeah. a million times on the yep. YouTube side. It's yep. like, I'm just not getting viewers and I don't know why. And it's, it's like, have you? It's just yeah. like um, being in a band and like, like, I, I feel like growing a Twitch channel is as hard as being a band and getting in the getting in the van for the first time. Right. And that's what it reminds me of, you know, it reminds you of like when I first started off, reminds you of being like the opening band, the first of four in a van and hoping people like your band after they see it. And yes. The chances are they might not, but then you eventually slowly, gradually build what you do and build. Hmm build the community around what you've got going on. I've been really lucky too that, you know, one of my right hand advisors in the world, he was one of the first 10 employees of Twitch and he happened to be a Trivium fan. That's and so when amazing. I say I restructured Twitch, we were touring through San Francisco. I was tweeted at by this guy named Brandon, screen name Volition. And he and a guy named Meme Dude invited me to Twitch HQ and they gave me a tour of the place. They, they explained more about what Twitch was and they lent me one of those backpacks to stream the show. And they said, hey, stream the show. And before this, at that point, I would stream 30 minutes a day of games to five people. I was like, this is awesome. I can't believe five people are gonna watch me play games. Right. But then we started incorporating the shows. I started realizing how much more I enjoyed even that than playing games in front of people. Right. And that's when I started bringing that bring that about and they taught me about the community consistency schedule structure which is luckily things that you know my mom is japanese my dad is a marine those are two things that i i i thrive in i thrive within a very regimented specific timeline yeah. of things I, I like i like that a lot dude that's that's wild and i mean especially you know tying to tying to live shows and of course in, in, a, in a minute you know ibarak and everything you have going on with that it's like when it comes to live shows and streaming and all that you seem like the uh, person which again it seems very counteractive to what a lot of uh bands are doing or at least not big bands but kind of more medium-sized bands where bands are like i'm on tour all right we're in the van i'm bored doing nothing and then the show comes well i guess i gotta load in and then we play the set for 40 minutes and then we drive and then they, they yeah. don't really do anything in between yep. that whereas 
it seems like you are on every second doing something, <laughs> being efficient in some capacity. And then it's like, oh, yeah, the show's here. This is what, you know, okay, perfect. Got the show. Everything's re perfect. Everything, you know, we, we rehearsed it. We're good. We're still streaming it, right? <laughs> and all right, show's done. And I'm sure you do some more work even after that. You're like, okay, got to answer emails or whatever it is. Yep. Like, how do you do that in terms of stay consistent, be efficient? And do you feel like that mentality somewhat lacks in bands in general or newer bands nowadays? Amazing observation. Thank you so much for, for that. And yes, I, I do try to always make sure I'm bettering something while I do something. Right. Um, there's a lot of components to that question I want to address. Uh, the latter most part. I remember we were on a tour once with a band, and I won't mention the band because I, I don't do that for the slightly <laughs> berating things. Gotcha. But this band were fans of us. We were supporting them. They were younger than us, and one of the guitar players was a big Tribune fan, and they were like, hey, I really got into heavy stuff through you guys, and he was like, asking me advice. He was like, you know what, man? How about I give you lessons every single day of this tour? Right. I was like, I'll set it up tomorrow. So I was like, cool. We set a time, set up the amps, set him up a chair, had a guitar there. I was like, all right, I'll see you there. The time was supposed to be there. I was checking my phone. He's not there. Oh, gosh. Text him, nothing. 30 minutes later, nothing. 60 minutes later, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do something else. Three hours later, I get a text. Man, I just can't be bothered to practice on tour. Like, this, oh this, and this God. dude is like younger than me like maybe seven to ten years younger than me i was like i can't believe this like if you know i'm not, I'm not comparing us to like a giant band we're at least a band he liked at some right, point right. but when we're on tour let's see i'll just i'll go through like the efficiency of the four yeah. of us so throughout the day each of the four of us has our path of what we do mm -hmm. um i generally wake up at the same time we'll take you through this tour so in this tour i wake up at nine every day we, the four of us all get together. We go get breakfast at catering because this tour thankfully has catering. Some tours don't, right. um, but this being like a bigger tour, it does. So we do that. Uh, let my food digest, kind of set up my stuff for the day, set up my computer, my laptop and stuff for gaming, get the backpack prepared. Once I'm digested, um, then I do jujitsu or yoga or mace or kettlebells, uh, lunchtime, sorry, lunch was, would have been before that. So we do breakfast, lunch around 1230, digest, exercise right. around three to four. Um, and then I start my vocal warm up, which is five to six. So five to six, I do my very specific vocal warmups with the backpack, with the stream watching. And that is 30 minutes of like head voice exercises, like opera style. Wow. That stuff. So 30 minutes of that. 20 minutes of trivium requested from the viewers that are in their head voice singing. So basically I'm singing like I'm in the BGs for all our stuff. So okay. like <laughs> the revival, this, like 20 minutes of that, which actually helps really warm it up. And that's what I learned from my vocal teacher. Wow. The final five to 10 minutes is me singing full voice. That's the real voice. That's when everything's warmed up. As soon as that's done, I've got a couple minutes to, I set the camera to be right back. I actually wrote this stupid paper, this be right back. I post on the wall, <laughs> mute the camera. Um, so that's when Alex starts warming up a little bit. He likes the first 15 minutes to himself. Then 6.15 to 6.45, we do a full band jam. So we have an entire rig that's backstage, V-drum kit, three amps. All of us as a band warm up together for like three to four songs, like 20 to 30 minutes of us rehearsing together. Then we go play the show. Wow. And in between these intervals, like I'm doing like maybe another five minutes of vocal stuff in between each little chunk. We do the show, do my vocal cool down, we get dinner. And then Paul and I, usually Paulo, Alex and I, but Alex didn't bring his gaming ring on this. We'll play Call of Duty and I'll stream it sometimes and we'll just play that to the end of the night. So it's just nonstop stuff because it is it is fun to do that. And actually the Live Nation rep who's on the tour, I was doing mm -hmm. um, my physical therapy exercises, kettlebell stuff by the side of the truck in the sun yesterday. It's like, so man, it's nice to see you out here doing this. Like so many bands will tour with, they're just like bored all day and not yes. doing anything. Yes. And I was like, I don't want to be like that. There's 
for even the bands, so if bands were to hear that and go, well, I don't have the game and I don't have the backpack, that's fine. You can't stream, you don't stream. But still, you're somewhere cool every single day that you can make something cool out of yeah. it. Even if you're in an industrial park, there's nothing around. You can still walk around, get into photography or get in the vibe. Or if there is something around, you're, you're touring different countries, you can explore those countries through their food. And that's my favorite thing in the world, food. Mm -hmm. um, I remember before we went to Europe and the UK, some of the bands were supporting or first of three, first of four, mm -hmm. and these bands that are bigger than us. They warned me on Europe. They're like, oh man, the food in Europe is terrible. The food in England is terrible. It's disgusting. You can't eat it. I remember one singer told me he would take sleeping pills. I do not advise this all day. Just wake up for the show, sleeping oh pills. So God. the European tour is done. I'm like, oh my God, Europe's going to be terrible. This is, this is horrifying. Right. When we first land, our tour manager, a uh, Scottish guy, takes us out to our first ever Indian place in the UK. And Indian food in the UK is as good as India from what I hear. Right. It was mind blowing. I was like, this is, wait, are these people, were these people that were telling me all this stuff, were they kind of full of it? Right. And then from there, and then getting into Anthony Bourdain, reading his book, he was kind of my eye opener, like Metallica was to food, Bord uh, Metallica was to music, Bourdain was to food. Mm. And I started realizing, man, we are getting paid to play shows and being in places that people go to vacation and we just have to spend a couple of bucks to eat food around here. This is insane. So then those are other ways we'll fill our days. If we're right. somewhere cool, like today we're in Portland, Maine, we all woke up, had insane local breakfast, hang out. I was streaming during the day, uh, exercise, and then we go out to dinner and eat locally amazing and stream again later. It's just, it's all about filling the day with the fun things that you want to do. Right Now, if someone doesn't like the idea of streaming or is a slightly more private band guy, it might not be the place for you because you're going to genuinely exude that you're not enjoying it. I just try to fill my life with things that I enjoy and that I want to do. And I, I feel like using this, this phrase today, is it, is it inappropriate? Is it appropriate? I'm not sure, but you know, life is short. Yes. Life is short. And there are too many times and places where people focus too much on the negative and myself included. I mean, my whole life up until having kids, I was always beating myself up with, hmm, these are bands that started after us right. or they're younger than us and they're bigger than us and they're playing better places than us. How come we're not there yet? Why isn't our band, the arena band, I said we would be when I was 13 years old. Right. When I shifted the goal of being like, to try to be the biggest band in the world or try to be an arena or a stadium, that's not even a realistic goal anymore. I feel it for a metal band, that's for Metallica or right. Rammstein. When I shifted it to, I want to be the best Matt Havey for all the Matt Havey things, it was a much more comfortable, safe, healthy, amazing mm. way to live. And I feel like everyone should do that instead of trying to be like, I need to be biggest, best, wealthiest, most money, most things. Those things don't make you happier. Like when we yes. look at these stories of these multimillionaires or billionaires of how broken their minds seem and their happiness seems to be completely derailed and people focusing on all the wrong things lately, like people putting so much value into things that are full of speculative value. Like yeah. it needs to be back to the things that we enjoy and connecting with people and uh, just focusing on those things. So it's, I know we kind of went all over the place. Hmm. No, yeah, that, that makes, really, that makes, that yeah. makes total sense. And again, seeing how regimented you are and it's just, it's, it's that mentality. And I want to ask you if you have the same, a similar mindset of a day that you're not doing anything means you just wasted a future day of your life. Is, is, you... Thankfully not. Thankfully not. Okay, um, it's like the day, the days off on tour, uh, typically a, a day off for me, I make sure I don't exercise. I'll do a vocal warm up. I, I warm up my voice for like two to three minutes every time right. I wake up before I speak, just to make sure it's in check for the shows, hmm. do a two to three minute cool down before I go to bed every day, um, day off or not. But a typical day off for me is wake up, uh, get checked into the hotel. If it's, you know, if it's a day off, we'll, we'll have hotels. Um, 
go get amazing local breakfast, come back, play video games all day, go get amazing local dinner, play video games all night and go to bed because those are the things that I want to do. And it's, right. it's super fun. So some of the days off, depending if we're somewhere awesome, sightseeing, walking around, exercise, things like that. But as long as I feel like I'm putting out the great effort for the times that I need to be, like I'm definitely yeah. not one of those like seven day a week, 24 hours a day, grind, 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 hustle. Like that's also not healthy. Like it's important to find that True. boundary and that balance. <laughs> yeah. And when the workday is done for me, even at home, when stream two is done and we get the kids to bed, it's let's just watch TV and not think that's and good. enjoy that. So it is very important if you work very hard to also rest very hard. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with that because you got to you got to enjoy kind of the you got to enjoy the spoils of your labor to to a point yes. too or you're not going to be you're it's it's too much of one or the other. If you're only enjoying the whole time then you're never grinding so then spoils are going to run out and you're like, "Oh shit, I, I you know, you know, you're you're not continuing and further in life. If you only do that and that's all you do, you're going to get to the end and then no one's going to be there anymore. Exactly. I, you know. Exactly. I, I've, I've said that I'm ex an extremist of moderation. Uh, That's I'm a like great a big, Oh, thank shit. You. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Um, because I, my whole life, you know, my mom has always described it as she's like, you're, you're always either saying you're starving hungry or you're too full. <laughs> um, you're always bored or you're too busy. Like I'm very fat. So I try to as much as I can while realizing that pushing in the middle, like I, I, I think it's important as well that we all recognize what we're not good at right. and work at that and recognize that the things that we can't cure. Like, you know, I, people ask me about, you know, we see so many people talk about mental health. They say mental health, my mental health isn't good. This, 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 that, but the people that have the platform aren't saying what to do in those cases. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always say, yes, I've got bad days. Obviously in our songs, I've, I put out some very intensive things. The song departure is a song about, suicidal thoughts that I was dealing with as a kid. Gunshot is about domestic violence. So it's important to put these things into something else. So it's no longer living inside of you, right. but to realize like I am a super high anxiety person. Mm -hmm. And I know that because of my super high anxiety, it doesn't cure it, but it makes it better with the more things that I do. So that's another advantage to the amount of things I do. It makes me kind of feel a little bit more regulated. Um, but in terms of like the mental health thing, it's like I always try to tell people that there are a couple things that all mammals need. We need something like a physical outlet, whether it's yeah. running, jogging, yoga, lifting weights, something that's not our job and not our hobby. We need something that is a hobby, whether that's gaming, guitar playing, singing, potion, that's not our job, not our physical activity. Mm. And then the ability to be able to speak on the things that we have. And people need to recognize that sometimes the intensive things that we might have going on in our head are too much for a loved one. Right. It almost becomes like the conflict of interest thing mm. that it becomes too difficult for them to help you with that. So to seek the help of like a licensed mental health counselor or a therapist or a something along those lines. And that's something that I keep active in my life as well. Um, now I'm like once a month or so, but I was once a week, twice a week for a therapist when it kind of gets a little bit too much. Right. And that's so important because it's the same way of taking care of your body, which is something that we always see people push on all social media and there's, there's all sorts of resources for that of how to get in shape and how to do all this thing, but no one ever talks about your brain yes. taking care of your mind. Like you mentioned, like enjoying the spoils of your work, mm -hmm. unplugging, having fun and just not working. That's also incredibly important to have to kind of recharge the batteries and make yourself feel good. So yes. it's, it's a lot, it requires a lot. And the other recognizing of um, the self, I know I'm a very slow learner. I'm a slow learner okay. and I have a hard time retaining things that I am trying to learn. And I realized this when I started jujitsu. I started jujitsu about nine years ago. And before that point, I'd only ever 
tried out for a band called Trivium at 12, made it in, and that was my first band. That at first still album. shocks me. Like you were 12. Like that, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. that was all I ever did. Trivium. That was first band, first job. So right. I would just thought, hey, I'm good at this. It was the first thing I tried, but you know, I didn't think of all those hours it took to get to that point. Right. Um, so when I got into jiu-jitsu, I was terrible. I was terrible for three to five years of it. I was, I wanted to quit for the first two years, which is getting destroyed every single day for like three years. And finally I started, it started clicking. And that's when I realized, oh, I am a slower learner. It is harder for me to comprehend these things. Same thing mm -hmm. for games. Like I'll forget key binds all the time. I'll forget what I'm supposed right. to be doing. Um, so I, I do put in more time than I think the average person does because I know my comprehension is a little worse. Right. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, I'll have to do something four times as much as like the, the super stud who only has to do it once and they have it down. Um, so it's very important that people do put themselves in situations that can be challenging so they can learn more about themselves. Like I, I feel yeah, like Jiu-Jitsu Humbling, amazing I was about to say, you you seem like an extremely self-reflective person. Like, you know, like, you. you know, learning, doing something, being taking and actually taking a second, which a lot of people don't take the second of like, I'm feeling this way. They don't ask why a lot of the times. They're just Always like. Always do. Yeah. Ex yeah. I, I, I can relate I, to I that. I encourage everyone. Yeah. And that's an amazing observation. Yes. Everyone should always ask why or how or try to understand something or can I do something better? Could I have approached the situation yeah. better? Can I approach life better? Yeah. Yeah. Which it's, can sometimes it can be like a gift and sometimes a curse because if you're too self-reflective, you question everything. And then I see a lot of people <laughs> never get anything done because they're too busy questioning what yep. they should have done instead of, well, what should I be doing now? You know, and, yes. and, and moving forward. But being very self-reflective and obviously having an incredibly, I don't know how you balance your life that well. It, I, I, it's fucking insane. Just honestly, huge claps <laughs> to that because I've you. never seen in the music world, especially like <laughs> someone who is as balanced as you in terms of life and works like every person I have on other than, yeah, I started streaming because of Matt. They're also like, yeah, Matt's literally the hardest working person I've ever met in the industry, <laughs> which you. is like, thank you. It's wild. But yeah, man. And it's, it's, it's cool to see because it's very inspirational. You know what Thank I mean? You. It's it's very inspirational, and I feel like there's there's always the stigmas and the stereotypes in the music scene as well as content creation in general. Of well, yeah, this here's this lavish lifestyle, you know, in the music world. Oh yeah, go be a rock star, go go tour, and you know, party all day, and then play your little show, and that's it. And same thing as content creation is all oh, just get you know just do the big video and get lucky and and all that, and then you get to be Jake Paul and be super rich or whatever. And it's it's so not that no, it's crazy. No, it's really not. It's really not. And that's why the key of it is just whatever you whatever anyone decides to jump into, just make sure you're enjoying it. Make sure while you're working at something for a goal or maybe something you want to happen that you're enjoying that thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it is very different than you know when we first started off you know, 18 through 25, 26, we were really looked down on, like, because we were a bunch of young kids that said, hey, we want to be the next biggest band in the world. Right. And right when that happened, like bands that I grew up worshiping were like, that kid is a dick. And we <laughs> oh, were no. bullied by headlining bands. Like I, if I could oh, write a no. book someday, it'd be shocking. Right. Like the amount of like my favorite bands I grew up with posters on my walls, like they would bully us and be super terrible to us on tour with them because they just thought like, all right, these guys are arrogant kids who don't know what they're talking about. Their band started yesterday right. and they think they're going to take over what we've been working at. But that also goes back to the first thing we were talking about, how, you know, the more people that come over to this platform, the better. That's why every band that I love, I talk about. I want them to get big. You know, I'm yes. nonstop talking about Fit for an Autopsy. I want them to so be huge. Good, I want them to be massive. I want them to get so big that we co-headline with them. And if they get bigger than us, they get bigger than us. And I hope they bring us out. Like, the more 
of our friends or the more people that we're able to bring up with us. Right. What is it? The rising tides bring all ships up. Yes. I always paraphrase that thing, but I, I want everyone to do well in everything. So there's more of this. There's more support. There's more things growing. I want... I hope that every musician comes over to this platform, every metal musician. And I, I don't mind if we're streaming at the same time. I want them, I want us all to do well. Yeah. And, uh, I think that if we can do that, then we can secure the placement of future generations of bands and things that we love and things that we want to see do well. And, yeah. Um, that, that, that support is absolutely a necessity. So it is really amazing to hear you say that, you know, that, I inspired some people to want to do something to want to. Do it's a little thing. more than some, but yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's really great because it's it's such a different perspective yeah. than the way things used to be. Because right. you know, luckily those eras are that era is done, and I, I it's almost probably shooting myself in the foot bringing it back up. But hmm. the era where people are like, are these a bunch of young cocky bastards? <laughs> oh my god! From whether journalists or bands or fans, and then it became kind of like quieter. Like mm. when I was 25 to 30s, and then since the last three three or so records, I feel like Trivium has really hit this renaissance of, yes. wow, these guys sound and are doing a more modern thing they've ever done, which I think is such a cool thing that on record 10, that it went from like maybe press sort of ignoring us for years. Like right. we had one moment in, in the press limelight, and that was the UK, and I was on a sentency, and it was for 10 months. That's that's all it was. Right. It was 10 months of the UK, these guys are going to be the next biggest band in the world, gold records, sold out tours, and then the very next record, the UK press said, this band's terrible. And they kind of ignored us up until the last three records, and now they're like, all right, these last three records are very good. <laughs> so it's interesting to see, like, on record 10, people are like, right. this is the best record they've ever done, or these are the right. best songs they've ever done. And that's, that's a really rare thing to see, um, you know, a band 22 years in their career for those kinds of things come around, and for the, the the nice things that you mentioned that other people would say about being, being right. inspired to do something. It's so cool. And and I, I've always felt that I'm not here to be a role model or for something to look up from other bands or fans or anything like that. Right. But I feel like we are a good one for that to happen because we have four very well-balanced, well-adjusted people in this band. I'm very fortunate that all four of us have the same outlook that I have on everything. And it's that... Mm-hmm. To kind of like broad strokes like we don't believe anyone is above anyone in this life and we all want to work hard and to be the best at who we are for what we do in life right and when you've got a full band of people with that that outlook um it becomes a very fun thing to be in and a very th- fun thing to be around yeah i've had so many bands tell me it's crazy i'm paraphrasing them they're like it's crazy to see you guys are always together like everyone mark morton actually said it to us at, at grass pop years oh, ago He's like, every time I look, it's the four of you and Catering together. He's like, what is that? This is <laughs> What is that? Because <laughs> yeah, like most people aren't used to seeing a band that, you know, we get two to three meals together every show day, every day off. And if I have to be away from my family, I would want to be surrounded by the people I want to yes. be with. I was out here with a band that we didn't speak or we didn't have similar interests or want to eat together or want a game together or want to see each other. I wouldn't do it. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be away from my family. So I'm very lucky that while we we kind of share the way I think of things, the rest of my band roughly f- looks at life in the same way that I do. That's good, man. I think it's a good balance. And like you said, having people around you, it, people are the most important thing, you know, or people around you that will be there till the end that actually support you, that will, you know, you guys build off each other and make each other stronger and massively become better humans at the end, which massively, is incredible. Massively. I've definitely seen that with throughout the years of Trivium and the albums have been absolutely crazy with that. And everybody in the band is it just levels up and i love that you guys all level up together you know yep. what i mean which is i think Absolutely. is so important and of course well speaking of leveling up 
we have something very special that came out very recently that I think we have to finally talk about, which yes. is the brand new Ibaraki record, which by the way, first of all, congratulations, new record. That's Thank always, you. it's always exciting. Thank you. How long has this been in the works? I've read some places it's, it's been some time, right? The DI tracks of track two. So Kagutsuchi, okay. the DI tracks from that song are actually from 2010. Oh my god! The final DI tracks, <laughs> which is really cool, because wow. you, know, you would think for a record, the thing from 2010, you'd want to do it fresh before the record. And I tried that, and I sent yeah. it to Ishan. He's like, you know, there's so much more attitude in the, the DIs from 2010. I was like, yeah, but it's not super tight. It's not played the same way I played. Now he's like, no, this has the attitude. This has the energy. So this record, if you exclude the intro and the outro, the whole thing is chronologically in order of when it was written and when it was actually recorded. That is really so cool. So Kagutsuchi and Ibaraki Doji are both from 2010, 2011. And then Jigoku is probably from around 2013. And it scales random years throughout that. So right. it's been about 12 years. Wow. And as, as you know, as you've seen, normally when I'm going to do something, it's I'm going to do this thing. And it's quick and efficient. Yes. Like Magic the Gathering. Hey, I'm doing Magic the Gathering soundtrack. And it's done in like two weeks. And gotcha. it's awesome. It's not that I rush through things. But with Ibaraki, it's just been this, this project that has been very interesting to make. Because with Trivium, we've always made exactly what we want to make. The way we want to make it, we don't, we don't have to consult anyone. Our label doesn't tell us. We need X amounts of this kind of song. We just make what we want. But Ibaraki was even more of that. It right. was even more freedom. I didn't have to record this at any timeline time like there was no due date there was no criteria of what it needed to have or didn't need to have so it was so amazing to and i, I feel like it's selfish to say it but it's it's not I, to be able to make something the exact way that i wanted to make it and not have to ask anyone or consult anyone or think of anything or anyone or making anyone happy or sad other than myself mm. was such a liberating process so like releasing this was was, was something different it was very exceptionally different in the fact that while trivium is free this was even freer wow. <laughs> so it's nice it's nice to be able to do that it, it was very very liberating process and anyone that likes it is a bonus for me it's, it's just a bonus got you it's, it's very it, it's self-fulfilling I, I understand kind of where you're coming from with that also yeah. oh damn sarah coppin i thank you for the raid with 350 people hi people i'm hi, here with matt, matt nice heafy of of trivium and ibaraki we're just talking about the new record right now um so uh, there's uh, there's a few a few def very important questions I want to ask you about the record. Number one, so obviously Trivium, you know, has always had like yeah, there, there's metalcore, there's melodic death metal, there's blackened influences, right? Like you kind of hear it underlying here and there with the atmosphere, the chord choices, all that. What what was the choice of even though it's still very open and I wouldn't you know box it in in any specific genre? What was the point of a black metal like? Um, foundation for an album what was what was driving you to that specifically if you if you had to pinpoint it yep um so i'll take you to the beginning and then the fork in the road so okay. at 12 13 when i first got into metal to the black album i tried it for trivium made it into the band um but it was at 15 years old or so is when i started getting into napster and i i really liked napster because it was essentially what the tape trading days must have been in the 80s and 90s right but, the modern day for someone like me. Um, the first song that I remember someone sending me was Yotun by In Flames. And I know that's not black metal, but I heard that song. I was like, I've never heard anything like this. At this point, I only knew the main the main metal grades, Metallica, Mega, Pantera, Testament Slayer. Right. But hearing this new thing, I was like, wow, it sounds kind of folky and reminds me of like video game music, but video game music that would have been inspired by like Lord of the Rings and all these things. And I, I felt really transported by it. I was like, what else is there that I don't know about? 
Right. And I recognize that this is a thing called melodic death metal that stemmed from Swedish folk, new wave of British heavy metal, Tampa and Stockholm death metal. But then someone sent me a track from Cradle of Filth from Dusk and Her Embrace. And someone sent me a, a track from mm. Cannibal Corpse's Bloodthirst. I was like, okay, so this is even cooler. There's death metal, melodic death metal, black metal. Right, what right. else is there? And I started digging further in. Around the same time, I met this local musician named Richie Brown who's in this awesome band called Mindscar, who's still in Orlando. They're a fantastic black metal band. And uh, Richie started introducing me to everything. He showed me Imperial Live Ceremony for the Emperor live in London. VHS was a VHS that he had. Showed me Dissection and Dark Funeral and Demon Borger, nice. just basically everything. He knew black metal very, very well. So he started getting me into, getting me into it. And I, I fell in love with the genre, um, even to the point of, if you look at the song, The Storm off our blue demo, it's about the Ascori. The Ascori was the legend of the flying ghost horseman who would shriek in the sky in Norway and steal wow. people's souls. That was one of the original inspirations to creating black metal even. Um, so I was very much so into the folklore and I started realizing, like I started learning about the feuds, like, um, and seeing like, wow, I'm not condoning or do I think this, nor do I think this is cool, but bands were killing each other over this. And as this 15, 16 year old, that becomes something you become a little bit drawn towards. So I was, I was very, Oh yeah infatuated with the mysticism and it being influenced by pagan culture and and all the old gods and the norse gods and goddesses and fell in love with it uh i i was that extreme metal elitist kid when i was 16 17 <laughs> i would elitist. show up in my my black ford ranger <laughs> with the windows down blaring demo Borgir. yes and, I would, dude. and anything that had singing in it or anything that was mainstream sucked and i was that kid <laughs> i understood that mentality so having fully understood that mentality i was like you know when trivium started when we started shifting what we were, because we were like a three-piece death thrash band at that time. Right. And then I got into more into melodic death metal. Then I got into metalcore actually through the German scene. It was actually the German metalcore scene I got into first. Oh. Evan Shaburn, Caliban. Then I started getting into bands from the US like On Broken Wings and Botch and Hatebreed Perseverance is a big turning point. Cause like, wow, this is like hardcore, but it's hooky. Yes. Like Sepultura is. Um, started getting into all those things. And that was really like the missing link of metal extreme metal being melodic death metal death metal wow. black metal and then metalcore so those three things really started tying together um so i kept going and um the first batch of press things that we would do people would see me in emperor shirts because those are the same shirts i wore through high school right and i was greeted by a guy named darren toms from candlelight records he came out he's like i i'm with emperor's record label. we just want to thank you for supporting emperor like i was on the cover of kerrang and metal hammer wearing an emperor shirt which is something that was kind of unheard of at the time right and he'd bring me black metal records and shirts and stickers and patches and everything and so throughout the years i did the rotary united dawn of a golden age black metal track with danny filth and mike smith from suffocation and that that song came out really good but i, I was always really into making it creating it and i said to myself having been that extreme elitist kid that i know that the guy from trivium isn't allowed to make a black metal record so i was like i'm gonna make mm. a black metal record under an alias i'm gonna wait till everyone falls in love with it all the elitist kids i'm gonna be like haha it was me all along and that was kind of the <laughs> idea. Was i knew because i knew 16 year old me would be like oh no trivium has singing this this sucks you know, you're not allowed <laughs> to do that um so i going on throughout the years i started working this little a couple songs and uh, I was, it was 2009 or 2010. I was at Inflames' restaurant and I became good buddies with them, 2112. I saw this 15, 16 year old kid wearing an Emperor shirt. I asked him if I could take a picture for my food blog slash travel blog. I did send it to Darren Thompson from Canada. I was like, hey, check this out. I think you should send this to Ishan. This is very cool to see the younger generation getting into Emperor. Right. And he actually copies Ishan on it. And Ishan thanks me for the years of support. And I looked at this as an opportunity to show him what I've been working on. So I was like, hey, Ishan, I've been working on this song. It's alias black metal project. I sent it to him. He's like, sounds like 
good old school black metal. That was kind of the, the whole response. I mean, that's okay. the best compliment you can get, right? Yeah. 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 And I, it was it was a short response. And at this time, he just released Aramita. I listened to Aramita and I was like, wow, there's saxophone solos and jazz chords and clean singing and very quintessentially un-black metal things happening on this. And I loved it. It was actually, it became more interesting to me than sticking in tradition and sticking to the tropes of what black metal is supposed to look, sound, be. Yeah. Um, and it reinvigorated my mind. I was like, this is more black metal to me than, than traditional black metal. And I started rewriting the idea of what this project was like, you know, let's kick the alias thing. Let's, let's see where else I can go with this. And the very first piece of music I wrote after his email and hearing Aramita was the song Kagutsuchi. So I sent okay. that to him. He's like, he's like, this sounds like, he's like, I hear Ennio Morricone in this and I hear black metal, but also death metal. And I was very inspired by Rodrigo and Gabriela, but also Beirut, the indie rock band of the, the one man band that makes like Eastern European gypsy folk music into his indie rock. It's, it's amazing okay. stuff. His first two records are amazing. Beirut. Okay. Also the Bonnie Vare record, um, the one with the snowy cover was a huge influence. So there's so many things that started influencing this. It was basically the, the blueprint and the idea and the inspiration of it was black metal. But then to be able to pick the brain mm -hmm. of one of the most important icons of black metal, things like uh, I was asking Ishan, I, I decided to, he said, hey, you should visit if you're ever close. And I was on a tour in Europe and I decided to take a couple planes, trains, taxis, buses and walk to his village End up in his village. He picks me up at the train station and took me to see some of the old stave churches, the kinds of churches that were burned down, but the ones that weren't. And they're beautiful and amazing and incredible. Right. And I pick his brain about like guitar, metal, guitar playing in black. I was like, well, it's very surgically precise right in the tremolo. Right. He's like, no, it's the opposite. He's like, it needs to have that kind of sloppy, almost punk rock thing. Things like that, things that I never realized, like never understood, like never saw was there. I thought it was supposed to be super tight, super right. technical. And then when I pick his brain about Emperor, because Emperor was always a big influence in Trivium, not in the sense of Sonics, but in the sense that every record you didn't know what you were getting. All all those records are very different from each other, especially when you look at Nightside to Anthems to Equilibrium to Prometheus. They're so different from each. And I'd ask him about that. I'd ask him about the Ishan stuff. And he said that he never made anything to be reactionary. It was purely him making exactly what he wanted to make when he wanted to make it. Right. And him, him explaining that black metal is not a sound. It's not a thing that needs to be. It's not like a, like a list. It's, it's an attitude. It's an expression. Mm. So learning those things, like I knew that no matter what, because this record... Yeah, like I call it a black metal record, but it's from black metal. But it's the things that I love about black metal, things I don't. Right. Because it was, it was, let me think, 2016, 2017 on a European tour where I started looking back at the genre, looking at all these bands. And then I started seeing the things that I must have had the blinders on as a kid. <laughs> the, like, I'm all like, sure, Satanism is quote, cool. Because it's, <laughs> yeah, no one's the really devil. satanic. Yeah. <laughs> no one's really satanic. Like that, that stuff was always fun for the thematics. But then I started noticing the the racism and the bigotry yeah. in, that was in the genre. I was like, this is the stuff I'm not okay with. And I started, I, I was shocked at the fact that I did have those blinders up. Hmm. That it was always there. Like I knew like the, the main old school guy that I don't even want to talk about him that, that kind of like that gravitated around. But of course yeah. it would have stemmed out. Of course it would have grown from there. Um, so then I started realizing like, man, I want to rewrite this genre for myself because it's this thing that I love for my whole life. And I realized that there's this really nasty stuff, not in all of it, but, but some of it. Mm. So how else can I do this? How can I approach this for me and make a style or a band or a record the way I want to hear it? And that's what this became and evolved into, especially from Ishan's teachings and him being a mentor to me. It was just create anything you want to make and there's no right or wrong. And then having these elements that 
shouldn't be there is what I love so much. And I knew that the fact of having the guy from Trivium and the guy from my chemical romance on a quote black metal record would break people's minds. And I love yeah. that. And I realized that that was more of a black metal statement than me burning a church down. It truly was like, that yeah. was more shocking than that. Cause the other one would be like, nah, he's just copying it. But this people are like, wait, you're not allowed to do that. You it will. The, the other one would have definitely still been a headline. There's no <laughs> doubt with that, but yeah. uh, I, but I fully agree with that. And uh, you brought it up. I was, I was about to ask, cause I know you, I know you have to head out in, in a couple minutes here, but how, what, <laughs> And it's beautiful that it happened. But how did you plus black metal plus Gerard Way happen? <laughs> Basically, I need yeah. to know. Yeah, I, I love it. And and one more element that that is on a black a quote black metal record that shouldn't be that I love that it is are all the video game samples. And that was not my right. idea at all. It's one hundred percent Ishan's idea. When he's like, "What are your favorite video games growing up? Final Fantasy VII, Super Mario World, mentioned nice. a couple of things." And he put those samples in there. So back to Gerard. We were on tour in Australia in 2005, big day out. We were the only metal band on that tour. Mikem was headlining the whole thing. The promoter was like, hey, I think you two guys will get along. So we invited both Trivia and My Chemical Romance to a dinner with the promoter, mm. introduced ourselves. And I was telling Gerard like, and, and Mikey that I've been a fan forever. Like I, I really loved, loved their music. And I was picking Gerard's brain on like vocal notes he hit on Black Parade and things like that. We talked about comics and video games. We we're talking a lot about Final Fantasy with Mikey but also comics and, and music with Gerard. And we became pen pals. So like every six months or 12 months, we'd hit each other up by email or, or DM or something and just stay in touch. And it was a couple of years ago where he messaged me asking me about tremolo picking and black metal, the, the same thing, bringing the whole thing full circle. I was asking Ishan about tremolo picking, even though I didn't right. do it, then Gerard was asking about tremolo picking. So I shot him a tutorial video, sent it to him, and he thanked me very much. And I said, you know, I've been working on this black metal record for years. Would you be up for guesting on it? He said, of course. And he and I discussed the things, just like I said, you know, we just, in a different way, discussing the things that we love about black metal, the things that we don't love about black metal. Mm -hmm. And we're like, how can we make this for ourselves? And what's great is the song that he guessed it on is lyrically, it does tell a story that you can transport yourself into you know, Japanese world and this thing is happening literally. But metaphorically, it's also a lot of the things that I struggled with, with the genre when I started looking back at it. And that's what Ronan is about. Um, so it was amazing to have him on that. And I knew he would crush it. I, I knew he'd never done screaming like that because some people were like, oh, yeah, this is the screaming. Like, he, it's it's a very different thing. But yeah. He had never done that. Um, he has definitely not done that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so sure. cool for, for the two of us as to be sort of outsiders looking into the genre that have always been fans of the genre, but never been part of it. Mm. But to also have the nod of two of the people who have been so plugged into it are really. Right, and in my opinion, like the the torchbearers and Nergal and Ishan, yeah, you know, they're they're two of the kings of the genre, and the two of them to absolutely love what he did and what I did, and them to back it. Um, yeah, it it was fantastic, and it was through a meal that I was able to get know to get to know Gerard even better. And it was the same thing with Nergal and Ishan, actually. So all three of the people that guessed on this record were people that I grew up really being into. And I think that's always been the fun paradox of trivia. I think that maybe that stems back to me earlier stuff I was talking to, why mm. people had issue with us. Because we were a band that was always too metal for the hardcore kids, too hardcore for the metal right. kids. But we're also a band that I was like, I love Demi Borgir, but I also love Furthest News Forever. Mm. Like at the same time, I'd be listening to satanic black metal. I was into Christian emo and Christian metalcore. Right, and like, right. I, like those those two just absolute polar opposites are, are, are what I've always been very much so about. Um, you know, you compare like me on stage with trivium versus me in person it's like they're two very different things but still the same that all coincide mm. and coexist um 
but it was the same thing with Nergal. Nergal, I met him in 2006. I've been a fan of him. Zoski Occultus was actually a huge influence on the Crusade record. And I know oh, when wow. I say that, people are like, wait, what? How? Picture Zoski Occultus tuned up from B to E, and it's kind of a similar record. Okay. It, it's not like I was lifting riffs, but I was very influenced by it. And I told him that on that run. And I've, you know, we stayed pen pals. Uh, I was able to visit him. Paulo and I took a day off in Sopot. Poland. He took us out to his favorite restaurant. We were able to talk to him. We actually connected them in 5B management. And having always been a fan of Nergal and everything he's ever done. And what's amazing with him is I feel like with the Satanist record, he made one of the greatest black metal records of all time. Very, very late in this in the scheme of where people consider great records of black right. metal. Um, and then Ishan, you know, was taking that chance, taking that chance email, taking that chance of going over to his hometown and being picked up and mm-hmm. just hanging out. And we, we, he cooked me dinner at his place while we watched Blue Velvet. Oh wow! Like, so that's a pretty amazing thing that not many people in life can say. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. It's just from very interesting, strange circumstances, and the fact that you know, if I'm ever thinking of, is this record paying homage properly in a way that I would want it to for a genre that I if I take the conflict out of it that I've, that I've loved since, since I was a 15 year old, the fact that the hero, the one that got me into this, the one that when I saw Imperial live ceremony at Richie Brown's TV going, what is this? Yeah. That he says this record is something unique, something fantastic, something different. I remember when I tested out the vocals, like one of the challenges he gave me, he said, Matt, you've sang, sang and screamed a certain way, your career, your entire career. And for Ibaraki, you need to do it the exact opposite. You need to do something you've never done before. It's like, I can't do that. Right. I'm not capable. I've, I've like, I sure I do a lot of things, but the things that I do, it's all sort of the same thing. It's, it's me doing trivium on stream. It's me right. doing trivium on these other things. He's like, I bet you can, I bet you could find it. So he challenged me to find a different singing and screaming technique that I've never done in my life before. And while it's a very different approach to the way black metal should be, or the way maybe metal screaming image should be, it's so unique and it sounds so specifically different than everything else, which I think is so interesting um with this project as well in 2010 my idea was to call this mritsu which is a term i got from ashtanga yoga it means life and death right uh, or for more so sanskrit but it was from getting into ashtanga yoga than looking into sanskrit mm. i didn't have lyrics um before we were supposed to record this thing i was like ishan i wow. can't come up with anything i was like i wish i was norwegian he said why he's like so i could write about thor battling jormungandir at ragnarok and he's like matt uh, okay. two things that's been done and two look at your japanese side and my That's mind awesome. just was blown. I I yep. never thought once of making this project anything to do with Japanese culture. I had no, I didn't even think of it. Right. And when he mentioned that to me, it completely shifted the entire thing. Then I had all the lyrics done in a week, and wow. I decided like let's let's rename this thing. Let's rename this to Ibaraki, who's the trivia mascot, but it's also the ancient Japanese story that's tattooed on my arm. That is so. so now cool. you have this Easter egg tie-in of Matthew K. Hafey, Trivium, and Ibaraki, the band, all in one. Um, and that that was important to me and. Then it spawned this whole new thing. At the same time, that's when the world was shut. And that's when there was intensive anti-Asian racism just running rampant in the U.S., all over the world. Still is there. Mm -hmm. Asians being blamed for the last couple of years, which was was horrifying. And then I started realizing, wow, I've never had other Asian heroes to look up to even. Like, you know, I was always excited when I found out Eddie, Eddie Van Halen was half Indonesian, half Dutch. But aside from that, you don't really see too much other Asian representation in metal or rock or black metal or extreme metal. It's just very, very rare. Right. Then I looked at Ibaraki as this sort of mission to put my Japanese culture into something 
expose people to that in the hopes that people go, wow, I really appreciate what he's saying here. I want to look at the other Asian culture stories. I want to learn about China stories and Korea stories, Indonesia stories, Philippine stories. And then hopefully that will trail off to what about the European countries? What about the African countries? I want to learn all about the world. And then as we learn more about the people that we share this planet with, we then in turn create a more open-mindedness to wanting to share this planet with them versus saying these people are different than me i don't want to know them right and that's what spawned the kids book the kids book is the the stories from ibaraki made into a children's book right with even more of that goal that people will be reading this to their newborns and afterwards the mom and dad or the, let's say their single parent they, they go back and like ah, oh, i like these stories i'm going to learn more about this and mm -hmm. what other stories are there around so that in itself is so quintessentially not black metal black metal has always been about okay <laughs> right. this is our world this is supposed to stick in this place when black metal was first helmed it was essentially in my opinion to be the rebellion against the same and to create right. its own new sect of this is the way it is this is for us this is this tiny thing but for me i want it to be this very broad thing that hopefully ends up expanding people's open-mindedness to everyone else around the world which is the most on black metal thing in the world. but that's what i love about it yeah. black metal is supposed to be this this explosion of different it's supposed to be a rebellion to a thing right and that's what this is so if this like Yishan says if it's a mindset that is the most black metal thing in the world to be the exact opposite of everything that black metal believes in is what this project is. That's, dude, that's amazing, man. Jeez. I, I love that. I, I love how tying it all together. And I was going to, I was going to also ask the kind of Japanese influence other than obviously I know you're, you're Japanese. It was, it was, that makes total sense. And that's very cool to see that kind of come to life and, and how it feeds into that full circle of what you are, you know, you're yourself, Trivium, Ibaraki. And, and it's, it's such a cool thing to see. Like all of these, first of all, obviously the album's crazy. It's fun. It's it's exciting. It's it has black metal influence, but it has so much uniqueness to it. It's very modernized. And even just listening to the tracks, like the singles as they were dropping, and plus the album after, it was like, wow. Like like you saw, I think you saw my reaction. I was like, when I heard even that track with Gerard Way, I was like, what? This is illegal. <laughs> this is not supposed to happen. You know what I mean? So to see something that's that diverse in you know with a foundation of of being in let's say a, an area which usually is very boxed in plus having all these crazy guests that of course you know sure nurgle and, and ishan are very you know in that scene but like gerald way being like completely you do not think of gerald way when you think of that music in any capacity and seeing the collaboration and seeing like almost this genre twisting to come together within one album and that being also seemingly to be apparent and just modern metal and also what you do with trivium you know i wouldn't consider trivium just like a metalcore band like you guys have all these different influences and that's that's so cool and humbling to see and inspirational to see as a musician in this in this realm because you don't have to feel boxed in anymore you know you can you like what you like oh you like some black metal sick you like some you know old school thrash sure throw that in there you like some melodic death metal all right throw that in there and it's it feels like people are much more open than ever before to create their own like musical soup <laughs> you know absolutely yeah, yeah. And I, I love seeing that i love seeing that so much because that's something we've always pushed very very early on um and i think that's why we're always the paradox and still even with this record i love the fact that 22 years into this i could still make people go uh are you supposed to do that <laughs> i love that <laughs> well, because you know when we did a sentence yeah. right before that i did have super long hair i was like you know what i'm cutting it i like the way these guys are looking i'm gonna throw on these girls pants and some eyeliner right and have a, a, <laughs> a straightened thing across my head and make super technical death metal Death, like death sounding riffs that have breakdowns yeah from, you know this metalcore thing i just got into I, I love you know there's there's 12 notes 
12 knows that exist. I, I love the fact that we can make things, make new things out of things that you shouldn't be able to mixing things together that shouldn't exist. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you know, maybe that inspiration is from food. <laughs> well, that that's how you push that, the boundaries, right? If, if yeah. not, then people are just, you know, okay, I've listened to the Doing same the thing same. forever. They're just going to, yeah. you know, people will eventually get bored and then, it hurts metal, and that's something I've always been scared of is, you know, the future of metal. You know, our bands are going to find just, oh, well, this kind of sells and gets you the tours, and then they keep doing it till yep. it's, you know, beating a horse dead until it's dead, like gone. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, what do we do? So I love seeing st projects like this. I love everything, of course, you're doing in general, and I love, again, correlating it all to the bigger picture of even Twitch and expanding and modernizing because people like you are the reason that, you know, uh, people like me have faith that, hey, tomorrow this won't just be all gone. You know what I mean? So, Thank Matt, you. I know so I've kept much, you a bit man. over time. Sorry about that. but Always amazing, amazing chats. But this is the first chat I've done since the record's come out. So, please, get, get this out. Get this. Get, let's get chat. this message out. Right now, Ibaraki. Oh, my God. Can you, no, you want to go with like the yellow last... name? I don't want it. I don't want to butcher it. I know it's going to happen. It's tough. And even I say it wrong. Like okay. My mom was correcting me. It's uh, La Cholmon. It's actually... It's oh, I was going to that up really badly but people, people just say rashomon is fine rashomon is fine but it's, it's actually la shomon that oh okay and then ibaraki uh, ibaraki I, ibaraki rashomon's fine rashomon out now chat go check it out buy it show the dudes the love again it's crazy it's modern it keeps pushing so the boundaries and pissing off elitists, hopefully, which is my favorite part of the job. So, Matt. Wait till the next one. Wait till the next Ooh, one. I'm teaching myself shamisen now, and I'm going to go further into. Ishan and I are like, do we go okay. taiko drums and shamisen and all Japanese singing? Or do we go further into this thing the intro and outro have, which is that very Eastern European sounding. Uh, it's, it reminds me of Nightmare Before Christmas in Eastern Europe. Oh, that's Europe. sick. So do we go there? Do we go both? Like, what, what do we do? And and there's no there's no limit, which is amazing. But man, thank you so much. Our chats are always incredible. I wish you nothing but the greatest. Thank you. Congrats on everything. And I think that last section that I that I said the quote that I, I, I forgot exactly what it was. But if we can use that as as the quote, let's get that everywhere. Yes, I, I, if I, something great. Yes, if, if the, I the, make this it a YouTube the black video. metal, the black metal thing of the black metal thing. Of the, the black metal thing. Yes, yeah. chat. Matt Heafy of Ibaraki Trivium and of course himself this gorgeous human being get some love for this dude so check much. out the new Appreciate record it. follow them up they're on tour right now of Trivium as well go see that I'm gonna be maybe stop I'm gonna be stopping by when y'all yeah stop tickets on me just remind me remind oh. me are you streaming for a little while longer because I'm gonna send these people your way yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna be talking about metal news and life awesome. yeah so here, here we go Matt thank you so much have a beautiful Thanks, day man. best of luck with everything and thank we'll you. talk soon all right man thank you later dude thank all you right. so much have a good one see ya bye bye